Hey, hey, hey. All right, episode 108 of the Sims and Left Go podcast. I'm deming it the uh, the awkward edition. The awkward edition? It's yeah. Really it's never awkward, awkward baby. I, awkward. I know it's not. Uh, 108. Eight. Is that Aikman? Aikman, Steve Young. Uh, those are two greats right there. I'm trying to think of other eights. And then the eight for the Yankees. The eight for the Yankees is Yogi, Yogi Berra. Berra, right? It is, yeah. right. Um, so I got texted a lot right. th- yesterday. Um, people asking me what's the deal, what happened to Phil, what happened to Big Phil. Right. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, um, Tony Romo is replacing your dad, yep. Phil Sims. My dad, Phil Sims. Um, as the number one CBS analyst. Um, we So he put on the jacket. He took a picture on Instagram. Um, Romo officially retires. He says he's 99% sure. Um, and there's a history of people saying they're 99% sure and then returning. It's going to be hard for him to return being a part of the number one team. Yeah. So that, that would change things, uh, too. I'm just curious. How many texts and calls do you think you got yesterday? Oh, man, I got a lot. I'm still getting them. Still, really? Yeah, I mean, literally to what this is point. The, what is the general consensus of what they're saying or asking? I can't believe how CBS has handled this. I mean, they're screwing your dad, or they're tr- are they trying to embarrass? What happened with your dad? Are they in a fight with CBS? Um, so, Questions. Yeah, they just don't get it uh, regardless. I, I think anybody that's in the media business in general, and I'll say this, I don't know if my dad will be happy or not, but, I mean, you, you can't be like, you can't sit there as a normal person who's evaluated this and seen it happen before and go, oh, that was a, they handled it like professionals. They were, I mean, it's been out there rumored for two weeks. I had to tell my dad first before CBS or anybody because I found out from an NFL insider. Yeah. Because CBS. You got called. I got and called. And said, hey, you heard about this, right? And you went, no. And no. then you called your dad, and your dad was like. I sent a text. I sent the text message. I forwarded the text message that right. I was sent. And, uh, yeah, it basically said, hey, listen, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but Romo's being offered your dad's job on CBS. That That's sucks. Cr- I'm sorry. And my dad was in Barbados, and I had to forward the text message to him to let him know. Um. How is he? He's good. You know, he really is. Uh, I think if there's anything he's probably a little disappointed is in that in general, just that he he doesn't – I don't think he feels like um, they talked to him right away, at least warned him to let him know this is happening. I mean, that's just not what you do to a good, hardworking employee that's for been – For 20 years. Right, for 20 years, been kind of the face of your football station. So uh, I think from that, it, it probably does hurt. I also think, you know, listen, Dad uh, – I don't think Dad's like – He's not complaining. He's got two years left as far as money is concerned, as far as the number one right. team. And that's and, come out. Yeah, and they'll just they'll figure out what they're going to do. I don't and know he's what's going to happen. He's got a bunch more years left with inside the NFL. Got a few more years with inside the NFL, so he'll be doing that. And, uh, you know, he's really, over the last two years, Dad's got into the conversation a lot of, I just want to enjoy my job. I'm 61 years old. I've heard him say that a number of times. Uh, I do think the Thursday-Sunday game calling uh, wore at wore him out. I mean, it's going to wear anybody out. I mean, nobody yeah. wants to do double duty, right? Uh, and um, yeah, I think just that traveling, the amount of coaches you got to talk to. Like I've told you, you got to remember four fifty fives for the week. You got to remember four different game plans on defense right. and what their little clues were and all those things. But so, you can also admit that your dad was still doing a good job, no doubt. You know, listen, the things I've heard too in the in the media at this point, like CBS wasn't happy about this social recognition. 
Like, first of all, is anything positive on Twitter? Anything. I haven't seen a fucking positive thing on Twitter ever. I mean, p- Twitter is literally for a bunch of fakes who sit there and are mad at the world. They go around and smile when they're face-to-face, and they go home, and they must be like, fucking hate everybody. You suck, motherfucker. Hate yeah. you. you su-. I mean, that's – and then to, for them to say that, I mean, have they looked at Jim Nance's Twitter feed and Joe Buck? and Chris Collinsworth. I mean, they get shit on just as badly as my father. I mean, maybe my bad dad barely beats them out. Can I share the Sean McManus quote from last year of what he said? So this was in a Richard Deitch article. He said, listening to it with a very critical ear, I think Phil is vastly underappreciated, and part of that is the overreaction to social media. If you listen to what he said during some of the biggest moments of the season, this was last season, he was the first one to say if Denver won the Super Bowl, Von Miller should be the MVP. He was the first one to criticize Cam Newton for not jumping on his fumble toward the end of the game. He was on top of uh, most of the storylines for most of the game, and that's part of the reason we won the Sports Emmy for Outstanding Live Sports Special. I would just suggest that if people listen to Jim and Phil with an open mind, I think they would recognize what a good job they are doing. Yeah, that was the president and chairman of CBS that said that last year. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's nice of him to say. Yeah, listen, Dad's underappreciated that way. It's just the way it is. I think you know the way they do the telecast on CBS too. At times, it come, makes them come off a little bit stiff and uptight. I think if most people out there saw inside the NFL, they'd get to see more of the real version of my father. Yeah, I think that is the the, the accurate one. Um, we have a lot to, to talk about. I, are you seeing this breaking news right now? Uh, I'm seeing a whole lot of breaking Wait, news. Wait, hold Adam. on a second. I didn't press. Sims, we have I, breaking news. Really? Report. It is a headline I've just seen coming across the Twitter waves. Jets in discussions with free agent QB Phil Sims. This is a real article. <laughs> the New York Jets are reportedly close to inking longtime New York Giants quarterback Phil Sims. To a long-term deal after Sims was released by CBS Today. Well, they're going to play him at quarterback. Sims played 15 seasons with the Giants from 1979 to 1993 and won two Super Bowls, (laughs) but has been working in broadcasting for 23 years. Quote, Phil Sims is a quarterback with a great track record who obviously knows how to win in New York, said Jets general manager Mike McCagnan. <laughs> We're lucky that he fell into our laps today. He is the most accomplished quarterback we've had in a very long time. Congrats. A quote from head coach Todd Bowles. Look, we play in the AFC East, and we've been hearing for years about how Tom Brady's age is going to catch up with him. Do you see him getting older? Not at all. So I think Phil can deliver that sort of play to us. Where did you get this shit from? This is on the internet, man. <laughs> I mean, from what? Another quote from McCagnan. Quote, hell, Josh McCown is only a couple years younger than Phil as it is, and I think most <laughs> elderly people can throw more accurately than Hackenberg. <laughs> Jets that's in discussion. Hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. Compliments of Sports Pickle. Yeah, thanks, Sports Pickle. We thought that would be good. funny. Um, I think... Uh, it was funny. We didn't just think it. So I, I have a few takes on this, and I'm, I want you to keep chiming in, please. Okay, yep. uh, and I know I get a little bit more fired up about this shit than you do. Um, number one, I'm not mad at Romo. No, it can't and, uh, be. And the, the, here's the true thing. He's made $127.4 million in his career. So I understand walking away. I understand the amount of injuries that could be facing him. And I understand you very rarely get offered an opportunity in this business to be the number one broadcaster mm-hmm. and to be able to do two sports in right. golf. Right. Crazy that he was never a professional in that and he's getting the opportunity to do that. It is. Um, I think that we were all – I think a lot of people were, were – the, the amount of praise going to Tony Romo yesterday made me want to step back. I think that, that 
I don't even think Tony Romo was a great quarterback. I think Tony Romo was a very good quarterback. 2014, he had a great year. We thought we actually came on here and said he would have maybe gotten your MVP vote that right. year. He had a few other good years with yeah. not great talent, right. even though he had the TOs and Des Bryant right. and Jason Witten. He's had some good guys around him, but um, I, I would not put him in the ring of honor in Dallas. I don't think he's been that. It would be very hard for me to see Staubach, Aikman, Romo. And I'm curious. Let me start off there. Do you think he's at that level with those guys? I do, yes. You do? I do. All yes. right, then correct me. Well, I, I listen, uh, I think Tony Romo is just another one of those guys that became the scapegoat because the Dallas Cowboys couldn't get back to the Super Bowl. And I think you know my thoughts a little. There are a few comments that I'll make. You know, yeah, oh, couldn't win playoff games, or they're always 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, my thing to that is, I mean, those 8-8, eight 9-7 and eight, nine and seven football teams sure. running around, they were 4-12. and 12. They're 5-11 and 11 He's football not a teams. Hall of Famer, though. I, I do think he is a Hall Stop of Famer. It. Yeah, I do. I think Tony Romo, if he won a Super Bowl, we'd be talking about him like he's an all-time great. It's funny how similar Romo's career stats are to your father's career stats. Right. And it's really interesting. But, but then I look at what your dad did. But, like, I just look at, I go, listen, my dad was really good, too, and certainly never had maybe quite the talent that Tony Romo had around yeah. him as far as pass game. But uh, I, I think, you know, when I think back about Tony Romo, I will think about he's one of the clutchest quarterbacks that I can remember. Uh, he was statistically like the best fourth quarter quarterback in all of football from like 2006 to 2014. Um, and I think as far as making plays uh, within the pocket and moving around, man, only Aaron Rodgers is the only one I could speak of to right now that I could say like, oh, it's third and seven and you need magic to happen. Yeah. Romo was amazing that I saw it in person when I was in Denver and we played him. I mean, he's just slippery, a good athlete, a good thrower. And, you know, yeah, I mean, he was never really on a Super Bowl team other sure. than 2007. Right. And, I, and that year they got upset by the Giants. And I could, I could point to that and go, I mean, I, I can't remember who it was. It, it's interesting because I feel the same way about his career about the guy whose broadcasting career I fear he will have, and that is Tiki Barber. Mm. Tiki Barber was a revolutionary back, too. Right. Tiki Barber, you can make an argument that was a Hall of Famer, too. Never on the right Super Bowl team, Giants went and won it. I'm concerned about Tony Romo being a Tiki Barber. And what I mean by that is when Tiki retired, people went slam dunk broadcaster. Right. Put him on the Today Show. He's good as gold or what, Good Morning America, America, whatever it was. And you know what? He was really good at dinner parties. He was really good at smiling and going, wow, he's, he's personable. He's a good guy. Right. Didn't work out. No. Famously. Yes. Keyshawn retired in his prime, too. Right. Very good on television. Because Keyshawn had something to say. My thing with Romo is I've met him. We've talked to him. Yeah. You know him. Yep. Romo, one of his first questions he was asked about the Houston Texans quarterback situation, he said, I'd, I'd rather not comment on it. The number one guy on CBS needs to comment on it. And I look at Romo, when has he ever said anything in the media that's had anything other than PR spin? Well, uh, listen, that's... That's uh, just not his style. No, and you know, even, even breaking into the business myself, that was the number one thing I think that most corporations involved in media are, are worried about with ex-players. Is are they going to be able to cross the line right. and say something negative about a guy they played with maybe a year or two years before that and like legitimately honestly go, no, he's not playing real good right now. Or right. I don't know what he was thinking there. That like, was stupid. Like, I don't think Trent Green is good. 
at it. Right. And I don't know if Tony Romo is going to be any different than that. That, to me, seems like a very similar style. It, it's certainly hey, it's a, it's a big jump. There's no doubt about that. To go for the you know, How hard is it to, to be retired and then talk badly about guys in the NFL? Yeah, it's not easy. It really isn't. I mean, I have to tell myself sometimes, like, listen, I'm just being honest. I have to put myself back into the sh- shoes of when I was playing and going... Listen, they're just doing their job. They're just playing, and I, you know, and you're doing your job. And I'm doing my job. I'm doing the best I can, and and really, they don't know all the extenuating circumstances that are going on and whatever else. And they're just making the best opinionated decision they can make. And I never took it personal. I mean, I I would go into the locker room literally some days, and I would walk in, and they'd be like, "Man, blah blah blah." I wrote an article about you today. He shit on you. And then at lunchtime, I'd have to see that guy. Yeah, and I could tell he was uncomfortable and. You know, I would always try to make a funny comment about it to like break up the ice. Like, yeah, I can just totally picture you. Yeah, doing you that. know me. Like, hey, look at this guy here thinks I he suck. wrote a you article know that, about so me. whatever. You know. I I think the other issue. So I'm not mad at Romo at all. Uh, I'm obviously very biased yeah. uh, in this whole thing. But I think where my patience has run dry is the social acceptance of Jim Nance doing anything. I'm done. <laughs> like. I feel so fucking pandered to with the hello friends. It is so demeaning. <laughs> um, I've seen him interact with so many people at this point, and this is typically how it goes. Hey, Jim, how are you? Hey, where are you from? Oh, Lubbock. Oh, Lubbock. They got that one restaurant. It's so good. Oh, hey, I got to go. I, I always feel like it's super fake. He talks over everybody. I mean, I watched the college basketball tournament, and the entire time I heard Grant Hill go, oh, we, you know, that's a great move by him. He actually learned that on the basketball court. Ball. And Jim Nance goes, I was going to say that. That's Jim Nance. I was going to say that. The tie, the giving away of the tie to the football, to the basketball player at the end. Like, no, no, you gave it to him with cameras all around. If it wasn't that important, there are other ways to do this. You're, you're going to be around them for like the breakfasts and all that stuff. Um, I believe that Jim Nance is the Matt Lauer of sports and no one is talking about it. Matt Lauer famously kicked off Ann Curry from the Today Show. Matt Lauer famously got Jamie Horowitz fired because he wanted moved on. But Matt Lauer has that great fan base of older women that watch the show, and he's just kind of etched himself as the kingmaker. I like you. You come with me. That's what Jim Nance is. And I firmly believe that's kind of what happened here. Because it, you know what gives it away to me? Mm. The golf thing. Right. That's what gave it away to I, me. I won't lie. That's kind of what gave it away to me. That's the one thing I thought of. I was like, damn. Okay. I could hang out with him at football right, and golf. Right, right. I think Jim Nance wanted a new friend. I wouldn't be shocked. Listen, I, I, I think that certainly a company like CBS, they're, they're going to run this by Jim Nance. I mean, if I'm going to sit here and be honest with you, yeah. I mean, I, that's what I would envision happens. Jim Nance is their guy. He is, like you said, hello, friends. He's kind of the face and voice of the network. And um, he's... A bigger linchpin than Phil Sims for that network, that's for sure. So uh, I, I would think in some degree or fashion, I'm not trying to throw Jim under the bus, but yeah, I would think that he signed, on, signed off on this in some degree. Yeah. And my issue with the whole thing is if I get fired at Bleacher Report, I hope they would come and tell me. Right. Or they'd say, hey, listen, we're moving someone into your job, blah, 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 blah. Phil was there for 20 years. Yeah. He will likely go to the Hall of Fame because of broadcasting, right. in addition to the fact that he had one of the greatest Super Bowl performances in the history of the game and played as Bill uh, Parcells, one of his greatest quarterbacks. This is a Hall of Fame broadcaster. 
And the guy that I do see on Inside the NFL, which not enough people apparently watch, yep. he runs the show. Yeah. Boomer's the one that, that leans on him. And and I I look at just the broadcasting landscape, and I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know if you know. I mean, do you know anything? No, I don't. And I don't think it's going to be discussed for maybe a few more weeks. I mean, he could get dropped down to a lower team. I think uh, he could be part of the studio. There's a lot of things there. They could just go their separate ways altogether. And right. I really think all those things are on the table. It's crazy. But I know he doesn't know yet, and I, I think they decided that they were going to talk in about three weeks yeah. again and try to figure it out. I'll say this. You brought this up earlier, Josh. Yeah. The Mike Tirico-Bob Costas transition was as good as it can get. Yeah. Bob Costas was the face of NBC. Mike Tirico comes in. They introduce him with the Olympics. They start him kind of doing some things side by side, right. and then it grows graceful, you know, goodbye. Yeah. And Transition he does of major- power. Yes. And I, I look at this, and I think it's putting an insane amount of pressure on Tony Romo immediately. We're going to be listening to every single word and breaking it down. Yeah. I'm just asking everybody out there, just can you listen to the stuff that Jim Nance says sometimes? Can you listen to how much he talks? There was a Wall Street Journal article that talked about the percentage of airtime spent from play-by-play guys in color commentary. And the one that was completely an outlier was the Jim Nance Phil Sim. Jim Nance talked that much more than Phil Sims. So as you get upset with the broadcasting team, is it the accent? Is it what Phil's saying? Or are you subconsciously upset about Jim Nance and not even realizing it? <laughs> That's the only thing that I'm going to say because when I watch the games, no one talks over their other person more. Other than me on this podcast with you. <laughs> Which I'm just. Which we're all aware of, which, and we, it's out in the open. We've discussed it. We have enough commenters that tell me, Lefko, will you ever let Sims finish? And I get it. I throw my weight around mercilessly. I will say this, and this might come off wrong. I don't know. Listen, I like Jim. Jim's always treated me well. Yeah. Uh, but I do think football is his least sport. I mean, it's it's the one I least enjoy listening to, and that might sound effed up since I've been listening well, he to does it for what? a long he time does with him. This, my dad. He does golf. Masters. He, he does, does the Final Masters. Four. Right. And CBS. Yeah. Because yeah. I College would also basketball. say this. Perfect. You nailed it. College basketball is teams that the most of the public don't know, and that it's about the, the you can talk about like these wax, euphemisms, wax poetic. You can wax poetic about yeah. the romance and the kids and yeah, the, uh, the kid from the yeah all that the masters the 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 flowers and the quiet and what a moment and the jacket, the NFL he tries to do it with that. And who are the announcers we love? We love Chris Collinsworth, who gets deep into the X's and O's. We love John Gruden, who's telling us about the spider 2Y banana. And when you listen to Jim Nance and and that, it's Jim trying to talk about the kid from Michigan as Tom Brady. And we're past that. I'd like to hear about football. we're, We're so into it with fantasy and PFF and all these things. We know it. Yeah. And I, I don't like to be talked down to anymore, and that's what I took away from this whole thing. Hot yeah. media take. But, and just why we're on it, I got to just do it now because I can't take it. It's been bothering me for two days. But the basketball, holy shit. Holy perfect shit. transition. Yes, seems. perfect Good transition. Producing, Chris. Final four national championship game. Worst national championship game ever. I don't know how much both of you watched. I watched but all of it. Three people ruined the fucking game for the whole country. The whole country. Three refs that decided we're the show. This is why this we're at the university. How were you watching it? Like, were you like pacing around, being like, "This is crazy"? You're I, an animated. I watcher. was. I am an animated watcher. Yeah, I was definitely yelling at the TV with about ten minutes left in the first half. I was like, "Are they f- kidding me?" Yeah. I mean, just foul after foul after foul. 
And I thought, okay, you know what? They're going to go in at halftime and realize and they'll readjust. They've realized that they're going to foul out everybody in the game if they don't watch it. And they were they came out and worse. they were worse. They came out worse. Yeah, I heard you saying earlier. I don't watch the national championship to see the seven, eight, nine guys on the bench. Oh play yeah, that's I wanted to see Gonzaga's seven, eight, nine guy. I, that's what I wanted. That's why I turned it on. I mean, are you kidding me? They ruined a great night of college basketball. They ruined two really good teams that when you saw early on in the game when they weren't in foul trouble, it was going to be a fun game. Yep. They were aggressive. And I they agree were with you. Rebounds. I thought Gonzaga was the Gonzaga more Gonzaga was the better team. team. Yes. They were the better team. And the other thing that jumped out to me about that the other night, too, that college basketball. I love when you break down. This is it just drives me a little crazy about college basketball. But especially with these two teams, it just bothered me, and it's why it's college, and this is the one thing that's hurting with the college game. There's just There was no star in that game. There was no alpha male that was like, you know what, screw this game, I'm going to take it over. There was uh, no De'Aaron Fox. There was no, exactly right. Well, I love that I, That's what I mean. I, I, there was no premier athlete in it the was, game. It was not a good UNC team. No, Not one not. of their best teams. Exactly right. It's one of the least talented teams I can right. remember them having, And really. Gonzaga, I mean, when you play in Spokane, Washington, like, even though they have a great player in yeah. Nigel Williams-Goss, no one knows who he is. No, no. They were both the, good teams. Good teams. And then the big guy, you know, the big Polish guy, he yeah. was off. Karnowski. And then Collins, yep. who was the best player in the game, I Fouled mean, if he, blew, if he blew on somebody, they Call the foul. Yeah. Um, so there you go. I just had to get I, it out of my system. I got trapped in the uh, last two minutes of the first half yeah. and all the way till about 30 seconds left in the game watching Kanye West interviews. You saved frustration. I And I'm not going to lie. I turned it on and I saw the dunk at the end and I saw the block and I was like, oh, man, I missed Damn, a really great, great game. game. And then I went on Twitter and I went, oh, I am so happy Twitter during the that game I missed it. was a cesspool of journalists. I heard, I heard Kanye West. I can't West. believe we're covering this game. It was amazing. I just I was watching Kanye West talk about how sway and getting really angry. It was man. very entertaining. It worked it, out great for me. I've never turned over a national championship game during live play with eight minutes left to go in the game, and I turned it over because I literally said, I can't take it anymore. And then when they went to review the big Polish guy reaching for the ball, yeah. and they called the technical foul, I literally almost go, I almost turned it off and said, I don't know if I'll ever watch college basketball again. Like, it <laughs> ruined it. I was so pissed. My wife, who knows shit about sports, <laughs> even she was like, this is such a boring game. I mean, and I was like, yeah, I know. This is unreal. I Do love Sims' wife, Danielle, is literally <laughs> the barometer of, like, she her takes are always on point. Yeah, usually are. They're baseline base, takes. Base is a guess. Like, it's, it's usually like, you know, Aaron Rodgers throws it harder than everyone else. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, you, you fucking nailed it. <laughs> you got it. Peter E. 1995 on Twitter, just a topical question from last week. Please keep everyone updated on any gifts you receive. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, we will. Don't worry. Did anything happen? Nope. No one said yet. a word. Come oh, on, Matt Hong. God. You no, that's cheat. right. We literally called out Turner executives and about us lying that we sent them like beautiful. I know. Models. I haven't even talked to the higher no, ups about you know it. What no. that, you know what that means. Yeah, they're not listening. No one's listening to this fucking God podcast. <laughs> you scumbag. <laughs> oh, well, hey, Matt Hong, he's, we know he's rich by the way he dresses, so Man. he'll get us a good gift Man eventually. Yeah. Uh, so hold on. Can we get back to the thing we were talking about last week about yeah. the if everyone in the NFL fought – Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Who would be the final three? Because I had a lot of people tweeting at me. And what was our final three? I went Sue, Bosa, and... Um, Fletcher Cox? No, you went Fletcher Cox. I went Cox. Fletcher Cox, Sue, and I can't remember who my other one is. My yeah, other one remember. would probably be Calais Campbell, though. 
Yeah. So, did, but we had a lot of people writing in. First tweet I got, Limelight Scouting, at Limelight Scout. How does J.J. Watt not make your list? You cannot break him. See, and <laughs> I said that J.J. Watt would be the first, like one of the first ones to die. Like they would all just jump on him and be like, no more shine for J.J. Rip his arms off. He's dead. By the way, if for people that didn't hear last week, you should listen to it. But we said if everyone in the NFL had a death match, Who's no coming? weapons. Yeah, no weapons. Who are the last three coming out alive? Uh, and there was JJ a- might know like some crazy wrestling moves and put you like in a special like yeah, UFC. Yeah, but then Terrell Suggs hold. is like, yeah, you're dead. <laughs> Kevin Sprague at Kev underscore Sprague. Fight to the death. I'd put James Harrison in my final three. Yeah, that's a good one. There's no doubt. He's going to be tough to take to he the ground. He would be a scary guy to see walk in. Oh, I mean, he's going to be those guys like guys like built like him and Khalil Mack like. Maybe you know only six one Justin six Houston. Two. I think Justin Houston was in. Your oh, you're final right. Three. He was my final. Those guys, they are just so like pound for pound powerful. I don't. I mean, like you said, go everybody out there. YouTube James Harrison's video when he's lifting oh, weights. He's doing incline two twenty five, not even touching his chest. So he's stopping before he gets to his chest, <laughs> and he's having a conversation with the phone like it's nothing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Another classic tweet we got, not related to the death match. Josh Cummings at J Cummings underscore two. Dread to excitement. My three month old son is very pigeon toed. Move over, Aaron Rodgers. Sims, predict more of my son's future. Yeah, the kid's going to be an athlete. I'm just telling you. Watch out. That was because. Elite uh, explosion. Who was the the safety from Malik Hooker? Malik Hooker. Uh, You said he was pigeon toed. And you said Ed Reed and a lot of other great athletes. Michael Jordan. I wrote it down for a few of these DBs I was thinking about you. Is that pigeon toed? Sims' theory, or it's not a theory, you've heard this before, that people that are pigeon toed. When you go into a full sprint, your feet actually correct to the appropriate alignment, whereas everyone else kind of goes. I just what, no, what is that called? Duck? Duck foot, yeah. Duck foot. I just I've I've been around too many pigeon toed athletes just to go, like, yeah, he's kind of a special athlete. Like another one that comes to my mind, Joey Galloway. He was a pigeon toed athlete. Joey Galloway could Freaking running a hundred meter next to Usain Bolt. So yeah. my brother just started listening to the podcast last week, uh, and about he's a freaking time. Yeah, only one hundred and seven episodes in, and he's a physical therapy student right now at Delaware. Yeah. So he's deep in his medical theory books, and he called me after he listened to it, and he goes, "Does Sims actually know what he's talking about with this pigeon toe thing, or is he just looking at people and just making an educated <laughs> guess on that?" And I go, "Either way, I, I go, like yeah, it. either way, it was good, both, good content." Yeah. Uh, Johnny Patty at Johnny Patty. He asked to piggyback on the discussion last week, which NFL team would win in a brawl? Oh. So if you could pick one team. First thought came was Raiders. It's just, I mean, Ravens, excuse me. Because Ravens always are loading up on the uh, front. And then Seattle. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking more attitude right now yeah, than anything. Right. Uh, but Raiders, I, Ravens. I also think that if you walked in and saw the Cowboys offensive line. Cowboys, Carolina Panthers, that's one other team that, I mean, anybody you talk to will always go, like, getting off the bus. When, you know, when your quarterback's Cam Newton and then that's very true. your receivers are Calvin Benjamin and, and the other kid, uh, yes. fun, Funches. Funches. Well, if we're doing a death match by position, the Panthers <laughs> automatically win. And we said Cam, too. But there was a few in there, too, uh, that we forgot Tyron Smith. Oh, Tyron. Tyron, I know you're right. Tyron would be a, you a know? beast. And then the other one that we got a lot on Twitter was Kalechi Osemele. Oh, that's another one. You know, we totally forgot the offensive tackles. I know. I I I am uh, I'm a little biased there. You, you know like me. the you like the defensive. The D linemen are like they're gonna get dirty. They're gonna go in for the kill at the end. Like they're gonna be like, oh, what your mouth's open? I'm gonna get my hands in there, rip your mouth open. Like <laughs> they're gonna do crap like that. Where like the old lineman's gonna be like, uh, he's hurt. He's down. Who I'll do let you him think go. would last longer, Tyron Smith or Zach Martin? Stay on that old line. Woo. I think Tyron is another athlete. I don't know, dude. You're crazy. 
I know Zach Martin's insane. Zach's insane. They're both, I mean, they're both freaks of nature. If it's more, it becomes a boxing fight, Tyron I'm taking Smith. Tyron. If he gets the to the reach. ground, yes. I'm going Zach Martin. Do you want some actual football questions? Yeah, let's get it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, we got a bunch of really good questions, so I'm just going to fire through a bunch of them. Keon Monroe at RamsFanatic81. Is Todd Gurley a good back, or was his sophomore slump a true indicator of more to come? I think he's somewhere between his first year and his second year. Yes, I don't think he was as good as his first year. I think it was a little overrated if you really evaluate run for run. But I do think he's still good. And the one thing he does at an elite level, his breakaway speed is still legit. And there's not a lot of running backs in football that can take I'm one excited to 70 see him or 80 to the house. with Andrew Whitworth. Yes. I'm hoping that they can – that if Jared Goff can develop, then Todd Gurley can get back a little bit. Yes. But it was, the, it was a perfect storm of crappy quarterback, no offensive line, right. rookie play caller. Right. For a running back with no holes. Yes. So he's probably somewhere And between. babied all through training camp like you saw, which yeah. I just don't agree with. There has to be a fine line. You can't go all through running all through training camp not getting hit, not getting touched, being treated like a quarterback, and then go, oh, it's week one, go crazy and be a wild man. That's just too hard to do. Going to put you on the spot here, Chris. Uh, Andrew Ringle at Ringle Andrew. Which players in the past few drafts were you most right and wrong about? Oh, man. Anyone's jumped to the top of your mind? Yeah, listen, like Justin Gilbert. You were certainly. wrong about that. I was wrong about him. But that's um, like... It's it's tough with the off the field. I know, shit. I know, but still, there, there's there's some others too that I'm I'm wrong about. I was actually thinking about this because this asked a few weeks ago, and now I'm choking on the spot once again. Well, it's all good. Um, but it, you know, listen, I'll say this: I've been wrong about plenty. I can uh, tell you, I, I remember. Yeah, please all your tell days. me. There's been you were right about Wentz over Goss. Let's just talk about last yeah, year. Yeah, okay. Um, Melvin Gordon over Todd Gurley. I think is the jury is still out. It's still out. Yeah, I don't know. Some hot takes right. there. Uh, you were you right know, about Keanu Neal. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, uh, listen, I'm not always saying I'm like slam dunk. Right? Like, I feel like I was right about, you know, saying Noah Spence wasn't a top 10 pick right away. Like, I think sometimes those are some of my best things where I just put it into perspective for everybody to go like, no, you're letting the media hype train right now. Met you believe certain players are better than what they are. I think you gave Blake Bortles an F. I did. At yes. number three. Yeah, you're uh, right. I would say most of your quarterback, your stuff has been spot on. I'm trying to think what position. There's been a few that's been off. I just, I'm, I'm choking right now underneath the. Uh, Hmm. underneath the pressure. But this is the other thing I'll say. Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers, yes, you're right. I think you missed um, I there. might be in trouble. Um, Andrus Pete, you were very high on, but I was. he's more of a guard He now. is a guard, but yes, he hasn't been as good as I thought he would be. That's for sure. You're right. Um, but you also said, hey, Marcus Peters should be a top three pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing I'll say to our buddy there, who was, what was his name that asked that uh, question? Andrew Ringle. Andrew. The big thing, too, is like, hey, scouting like don't you know just people too much are into right and wrong all the time a little bit is beauty of the eye of the beholder and then where they end up and where they end up what the situation is like and you can't be afraid to be wrong you're gonna be wrong that's just the way it is i think people thought you were wrong at first about jadavian Clowney, and right. now i think they've turned around yeah uh, this is an interesting draft, this 2014 NFL draft, because that was the Justin Gilbert one. Right. Who else? There was a few in that draft alone, I thought, that I might have well, been wrong I mean, about. It's one of the greatest drafts, I think, when we look back at it later. I was When it's clowny one, you were you thought Greg Robinson could have been a Hall of Famer. So wrong. Exactly right. There yeah. you go. That was the one I actually thought about, too, when I was thinking about this about a week ago. Yeah. I mean, that draft, though, was crazy yeah. good. Pull up, pull up your teams for this next question, because I know you're going to want to look at the teams yeah, when I, got I read it. it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know how this goes. I read the question. He goes, hold on. Give me a sec. I got to pull up the teams. Allie Gossin at Allie Gossin 22. 
which teams are currently sitting in Super Bowl windows and which teams Ooh. will most likely capitalize on them. I, really I think it's an interesting question. question at this time of year. It is. Who's, who's in the window and who, who do you think is in the best position to capitalize? All right, I'll just go over through it real quick. AFC East, nobody in the window except for the Patriots. So we know they can capitalize. Uh, I'll say AFC North. Um, really, I don't think anybody is in the true Super Bowl window except for Pittsburgh, and I still think they're a player or two away, and they need to make sure they get that player or two this offseason because this might be your last year with Big Ben. So they are a team. The Houston Texans are in that window right now, and this is where it gets interesting with the whole 49ers discussion at number two with the quarterback because here we are in year four of Bill O'Brien's career at Texas, yeah. and he still doesn't have a freaking quarterback. The rest of his team is ready to win the Super Bowl, but he doesn't have the most important position. But they're a team I look at definitely in the window. Wait, why is that big with the 49ers? Well, the just the 49ers, pick? like I think just right now, they're, they're, they're in a weird spot. Like the 49ers, number two, their conundrum. Do you overdraft one of these quarterbacks and just get the guy you want and say, we got the guy we want, I like it, let's go on? Do you trade down into the middle of the first? Do you just stay Sam Pat at two and then maybe trade up late in the first mm. and get steal the quarterback you want then? There's just so many ways. But I just think it's one of those things where, like, if you need a quarterback, you got to do it because you're going to be hitting yourself over the head for years and years to come. Yeah. Um, but the Texans are a team I look at in that window. AFC West. I mean, shoot, all of them? Except for San Diego. Yeah. I'm going to. L.A. LA, yeah, except for LA. But, but Denver, even then, even then, like their window, they're not far off, right? They're not. Like, far I off. don't think they're that far off. No. But I also look at Philip Rivers and I go, like, that's the other thing with a lot of these windows: the Steelers, the Chargers, the Giants. Yeah, it's the same quarterback class. It is. They're all getting old. It is. They're, all right, NFC. NFC. I mean, hey, Dallas. We know they're in the window. Giants are in the window. You're exactly right. They're ready. Uh, I, this, I, I might. I know it's April. And I need to see what else happens. The Giants might be my Super Bowl pick right now. I wouldn't be mad and at you. I'm now going to get a call from my dad as an Eagles fan yelling at me, but <laughs> they're stacked. Yeah. Brandon I Marshall, like I, I sometimes forget that it's Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham. I know. And if they get like a Dalvin Cook in this draft, I know, right? Who the hell? Or knows? they got a good tight end at twenty something, like they right. got Joku or something like that. Like, watch out! All right, so NFC North, NFC. Uh, I don't think the Redskins are in a Super Bowl window. NFC North, I don't think anybody there is Lions? actually in the Super Bowl window. No, I think they're cusp of. You know, really good playoff team. Same with the Minnesota Vikings. And the Packers, The Packers are the only team. But I don't even know if the team is in the window or if they just have one guy that's so great. That he kind of will them He pushes the them closer to the edge of the window. Yeah, I don't know if the Lions are there, but they're another intriguing team they that uh, Lefko might do another over-under bet before the year for wins. I wouldn't wins. be mad at you there. I think that's uh, legitimate. Um, listen, I think the New Orleans Saints are entering the Super Bowl window right now. Except they just have a quarterback that's really old, like you were talking about the Eli Manning, so they're gonna have to capitalize. But I think the Saints are close. You know I like them towards the end of last yeah. year. Carolina Panthers are still a team that I think's in that window as well. So you look at it, you go, Man, there's a few more teams in this window what about than I the thought. Falcons. Uh and then yes. But I am still I'm gonna say it right now. I'm excited. The Falcons aren't going to the playoffs next year. I've I've already gotten arguments with people. Yeah, about this. I mean the Falcons to me were a really legitimately I'm gonna, an, I'm gonna, an eight and eight football team that got hot. Right at the right time, they won those close games that you know maybe you lose. They just got hot at the right time, and they had the hottest offense coordinator in the game, and they've lost their biggest weapon in that offensive coordinator. And yeah, I just think that uh, that's a team that will fall off. AFC West, nobody is in the window. Nobody, I don't think. 
You don't think Seattle? I don't think they're in the window. No, they need about five and more NFC players. West. NFC West. Yeah. Sorry, I think they need like five more players for me to put them in the window. Like, I, I just don't think they're in the Super Bowl. Window. And Arizona's officially out of the window. I think so. Tampa Bay's not in the window. They're like on the cusp of it as gotcha. well. Right. One um, more. One more Twitter question. Yeah, please. Just just because I think it's interesting. No, if food you got, for if thought. you have some other good ones too, please. Uh, Justin Soto at Soto thirty six thirteen. Will NFL teams place less value on a guy like Josh Dobbs because he doesn't need football as an aerospace engineer, or how does that factor in? Oh, so it's I think it's tough for us to decide whether someone needs or doesn't need football. It is, but I would be curious for your take on how an aerospace engineer factors into just a team's evaluation Who of a player. Who was the the quarterback for Ohio State? Craig Krenzel. Krenzel? Yeah. yeah, he was smart. He was like, uh, well, yeah, it's like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type right. of stuff. Why did you jump when I asked that question? Because it's usually the number one thing that when I talk to my coach friends or front office friends is the first thing they talk about when they say Joshua Dobbs. That he's is. an engineer. I mean, he just blew everybody away at the combine. I mean, like, I, I, you know, I think How he, was he doing at Tennessee? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, and really, he's not a guy. I, get, I have to really study him first because I do see crossover stuff where I'm impressed and the smarts are going to give him a big advantage. The smarts are going to move him up draft boards because right away they're just going to go, you know, he's a rookie. There's a little potential there. And Hold he's up. so smart, he could be a good backup right away from year one. He's going to understand the system and be able to run I the mean, offense. Shit. What have we talked about with the quarterback, Ryan Nassib? Yeah. I was, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I, was, I was talking to my man, Justin Pugh. Right. And he was like, you know what they Pugh love? Pugh? Do you know what they love about Nassib? He just he picks up everything so well yeah. in, the, in the lock, in the meeting room because – the backup, you're you're running against the first team defense, yeah, and it's about improving the defense. Yes, um, I mean, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick has extended his career because he went to Harvard. It seems like for six years, no doubt. People are like, he's really smart. Yeah, no, uh, it's a positive though for that guy that answered that question. The aerospace, no thing, one comes negative with you when you talk about. I it? no, no, not at all. I mean, and and listen, I think he's a smart enough kid to realize, like, okay, yeah, I have that, but I have this little window right now to be a football player. Before you ask a Twitter question, no, I was just going to read a Dobbs quote. Okay, go for it. Well, this was just from Emily Kaplan's article on uh, MMQB, which I think spurred this question. He said, quote, my senior year, I was taking astronautics, propulsion, and an aerodynamics class all on the same day. At the same time as football season, when I was leading an SEC team, I think I can handle it, learning a playbook. Man, his senior year was a lot tougher than mine. Mine was uh, football, Halo, Madden. Smoking pot and chasing girls. That's all I cared about. Mine was a lot of those <laughs> things without football. And then I took a ballroom dancing class, a fencing class, and a scuba class. Because I had to get credits, and I just took one credit courses. Uh, I ever tell you about those classes? No. Dude, I took a ballroom dancing <laughs> class solely because Matt Leinert took a ballroom dancing class. And I was like, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and I'll never forget, they would make us line up. All the guys, they would split the class, girls on one side, guys on the other, and we would face a mirrored wall, and the guys would turn their backs to the women, and the women would come over, and they would pick their partner for that day, and you would go dancing. I am not being self-centered. In the class, I was one of the more, I would say, attractive, sure, frat guy. I got picked last every single (laughs) time. And it was unbelievable because you would watch the girls go through and I would just stand there every time and be like, this is fucking crazy. And I would end up dancing with like, I took took basketball second semester of my senior year and broke my pinky on the second day of class. So I didn't get to play anymore. Shocker. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. (laughs) 
It's really an issue. <laughs> my pinky just popped out of the socket. And it was ugly. How? How? How'd you do it? I was catching a pass, and I just... Did uh, you see how he motioned to catch well, the pass? Like, I, I was like, wondering oh, you jammed it. <laughs> You're trying to catch hit, it with your fingers. The ball hit my pinky. It popped out. I had to fucking go to the hospital and get it reset. It was oh, terrible. Geez, oh, jeez. I just said, hey, put it back in. Put me back in, I, coach. I was about Does to do it. Does that happen to you? Man, yes, so many times. Really? I was about to, and the yeah. teacher ran over and stopped me because they said it would be a liability if I reset uh, my pinky in the Maryland gym. From uh, The question my, that I was going to ask you was, from all the people that you're talking right now, yeah. are there any names that are coming up where they're going, have you seen this kid? Um, any any positive buzz kids? Uh, listen, I, I don't talk to a ton of people, but the people I do talk to, I mean, they, they know what they're talking about usually. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know if there's... Buzz kids that I can really say that uh, that anybody that's like oh I'm like wow or, oh, I, didn't or think of that. I know a lot of people contact you asking you about people yes, right. who are you being asked about a lot yeah I mean people always ask me about what I think about the quarterbacks first of all and I do think that I've had more questions about Deshaun Watson which leads me to believe that a lot of people are not quite sure what he is or how great he can be mm. uh, and what do you tell them uh, I I usually tell them the same thing listen he doesn't wow you all the time. But I've seen enough good, and I think he's a natural thrower. He's a good athlete. And I always say the bigger the moment, uh, the bigger the game, the better he threw the ball. Mm. And um, I, I think a lot of people in the NFL are concerned about like the 49-mile-per-hour uh, at the combine and the fact that he doesn't really rip any in the game either. And even yeah. in his workout, that was what I was told. Like He just doesn't let it go. doesn't throw that 100-mile-per-hour fastball. You're, you're being asked a lot about – Davis Webb, the Cal kid, and Peterman, right? No doubt. Peterman, Davis from Webb. Pitt, from Pitt. Yes. I mean, uh, Mahomes is, of course, a guy I always gush about. Uh, I mean, Mahomes is special, and I think he's, I think he's higher. Re- Mahomes is going to go in the first round. I really believe well, it. Well, this is funny. Uh, I'm looking at NFL.com, and uh, Daniel Jeremiah does not have Deshaun Watson going in round one. Ooh, wow. That'll be big. I don't think that'll happen, but that could be interesting. That really could be. I have another Twitter question just as we get into the draft talk please, here. Please, please, please. James Frere, at Frere James, if Sims was a prospect in the 2017 draft, where would he rank among the other QBs? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, well, let me give my expert. <laughs> uh, man, this would actually probably, I mean, if you just took my college career as is. Yeah, so let's pretend like you're coming out into the draft yeah, this year I'd be, as a I'd be at the, I'd be at the top, I believe. Really? I'd be towards the top. I'm okay. not saying I would be ahead of Deshaun Watson or Trubisky, but I think I would be able to at least say, listen, I've started two and a half years. I played in a lot of games. They're going to be able to see all the different kinds of throws. Well, and then it's all right. Go ahead. Oh, I was just say that that means Patrick Mahomes throwing seventy-eight yards would be the Kyle Bowler to your year when you came out when Kyle Bowler threw it. What like eighty yards from his he knees? Boy, he threw it fifty yards. He was the first one to do that on the knees at the midfield. Threw it through the goalpost. And then Brian Billick wet his pants and wet said, it, yep. "We need to get this guy. We need to get this guy." Even though he threw more interceptions than touchdowns in his college career, right? That it pisses me off to this day. It really I know does. it's hard uh, for you, but regardless, and Mahomes is not Kyle Bowler. Mahomes is a, is a guy that, like, I actually was on the train the other day and went back and watched his tape because I was like, damn, let me just make sure it was as good as – because I watched him on the first I'm super high on him. I want to make sure. I want to make sure yeah. I wasn't just like, yeah, just having one of those days. And, man, I went back and watched it, and I just said, you know, he's a first-round talent, period. I, don't, I know it's raw, and it's Texas Tech, and he's probably not great on the chalkboard and all those things. But, man, the, the physical ability is – 
top notch. The way he scrambles and throws. Is... I am. I'm praying he goes to Pittsburgh or Arizona. If he goes to Pittsburgh or Arizona, it could be really, really fun. Yeah. Because I think those coaching staffs and and what they could do for him and the system that they're used to and what they're transitioning from. Pittsburgh, really nice. Arizona, Giants, Cleveland, 49ers. I think all could be teams to watch Hugh out for. Hugh Jackson with him late in the nice. first round. Oh, we got we have a quarterback here in the twenties. We we like. Let's go get him. Uh, before we get to the um, draft again, uh, Timmy Jernigan to the Eagles. Love it. I'm an Eagles fan. I, I, this is huge. Yes, huge. Jernigan. You know, I really I like Jernigan. You know that coming out of Florida State. Really good player. I just don't think it was the, quite the right system fit for him in Baltimore. Baltimore loves gigantic people, and Jernigan. Um, is a big guy, but his game is still more predicated on speed. He's not the kind of guy that's just going to hold up linemen and go, oh, I'm keeping you right here, and I'll throw you away and make the tackle. Uh, that's the kind of people, you know, Chris Canties, Brandon Williams, yes. all those guys over the years of Baltimore. Jernigan is more of a just let me win this gap, and I'll win that gap. Who's better, um, Tim Jernigan or the guy he's replacing, Benny Logan? Oh, Benny's th- special. Benny is special. I think I think what you do there is you lose a little stoutness and you gain a hair athleticism. Gotcha. Okay, so you, that, that would be my two cents. Uh, are you surprised at all about Marshawn Lynch wanting to come back for the Raiders? I mean, we've talked about yeah, this Yeah, I mean, already. usually when you just hear those rumors, they're true. They don't get made up out of nowhere. I mean, it, it, listen, it would be perfect for him. I know he's from Oakland and all that. They have two little small jitterbug running backs. He could be the power guy. And I got to think, first of all, that O-line is special. You and I know that. And, man, they could also be a different team this year because of their two tight end set availability. With Jared Cook and Clive Walford, they could play that power game uh, a type of football week in, week out, whenever they wanted to. So uh, I hope he's in shape. I hope he does it. I it like would be, when he's I, in football. Hey, he's a fun guy to Him have. Him with the Raiders? Come on. Uh, do you have any other Twitter ones that you'd like to get to? Uh, I have another one that we'll get to when we start talking cornerbacks. You want to start it now? I want to save it okay. for the conversation. All right, so you have watched, since the last time we talked, eight different cornerbacks. Uh, do you agree with a lot of the scouts saying that this is a very deep corner class? Yes, I do. I don't, I don't feel like I'm even done yet. Yeah, I've watched eight. I know I haven't even got to like Quincy Wilson, who I've seen a little bit in like crossover. I know film. you haven't watched Sidney Jones because he was hurt. Right. And you don't expect him to go in the top two rounds. I don't, but I will watch him. But I'm just going to put that in the, the back burner. So for the now. names for everybody in no specific order. Mary, this is the order in which you watch them. Marion Humphrey, Gary and Conley, Chidobia Wozu uh, from Colorado. I'm probably butchering his name. Adoree Jackson, Rasul Douglas from West Virginia. Tredavious White from LSU. Marshawn Lattimore from um, Ohio State and Fabian Moreau from UCLA. Um, let me ask you this. Yeah. Of the eight you've watched, how many do you think are first-round guys? I'm going to try and change up the question asking yeah. here. Um, I think legitimately one, two, three. I think there's legitimately to this point five legitimate first-round talent corners that I've seen. Um, let me ask you then. Yes. Who is your number one corner of the eight guys you've watched? I know. It's, it's tough. I, I don't even know. It's real. Fine. Who I'm going to put it this way first because okay. I might have to talk this out to figure it out in my own brain legitimately. He's talk going to who wants to be a millionaire. Talk so, cornerbacks. My, my, so I know my top four. Hands down, the top four best corners in the draft are the two Ohio State kids, Adoree Jackson from USC, wow. and Fabian Moreau from UCLA. Wow. So they are the four So best. you would go Conley, Lattimore, 
Adoree Jackson, Fabian Moreau is your top four, and they're they're a class above everyone else. I think they're. A class. I like to operate in classes. Yes, they um, are. They are on the top tier so class. So no Marlon Humphrey. No Marlon. No Tre'Davious White. I see him at like number fourteen yeah, all the time. They're wrong. I'm just telling you that right now. I mean, it, listen, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, there's a lot to like. Um, the, the tape though. The the problem with Marlon Humphrey, just to be real quick with it, is yeah. just he's just not a top-tier athlete like the other guys we talked about. Like, yes, I know his combine numbers are pretty solid and all that, but he doesn't play to that, and he doesn't play on the field nearly in the same class as Lattimore, uh, Lattimore, Conley, Adoree Jackson. Sure. Gets beat way too much down the field for me. And um, I, I, I'll look at some of the things. I mean, he's got good feet at the line of scrimmage. He's got good hands, jam. I mean, he's well-schooled. He's a Nick Saban, you know, Alabama corner. Yeah. Um, uh, his feet and quicks with length are the things I like. I'm not in love with his speed. Not in love with his clothing speed either. Don't get me wrong. It's NFL worthy. It's borderline first round worthy, but it's not special like a Peters, a Ramsey, or a Hargraves. That's what I wrote because he's the first corner I watched. Yeah, he was Humphrey. a four four one forty guy, yes. six foot one ninety seven. And I would just challenge people too because you know what I do before I watch them? I actually go back and watch the video of them running the forty too. I just go, let me just look at him as a person one yeah. more time before I watch the film and watch him run the forty. He had to work hard to run four four one. You know, and I know it's a good time, but it yeah. doesn't translate to the field. All right, so hold on. I want to get back to your top four. Yeah. Uh, so Conley, Lattimore, Moreau, and Adoree Jackson. Yes. Who was the one that really popped? Oh. Who was the one that you wanted to call people about afterwards? <sighs> Probably Fabian Moreau. Really? Well, I went in. Tell with- me about this kid because I'm going to be honest, haven't seen his name. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, listen, he is a guy, I, you know, listen, it's always easier to be more impressed with a guy that you maybe don't have quite as high expectations with, yep. right? Like, that's what happened with Marlon Humphrey. I was expecting to see something, like, a little more special, and I'd watched him on TV. Marlon Humphrey, by the way, his best position will be nickel or free safety. He is not an outside shutdown corner. Not when you let up 19 yards per catch on you. Sorry. And you haven't even that's covered Odell point. Beckham Jr. in that crap. So, there's no way he can physically hand up against those guys. Now, the kid from UCLA, Fabian Moreau, is a freak show. Um, and, you know, again, I went back and started with the Combine 40, and I said, wow, that was, you know, what, was that 4-3-6? And it didn't look very hard to do it. Like, it was like, oh, uh, this is just me running down the track. Um, it wasn't like he was, like, grinding it out and his muscles were getting tight. But, um, first of all, he's got a running back's body. And Wow. Four three five forty thirty eight inch vertical one hundred and thirty six inch broad jump which is that's over eleven feet right wow six foot two oh six most impressive body out of all the corners and I wrote I mean that's how I started it off sorry for my swearing but I wrote shit another good looking <laughs> cornerback great body has real muscle density like kind of like a wuzu at Colorado who I'd watched before because a wuzu's built like uh, a different animal too. But and then I wrote, no wonder he was a running back. He was a running yes, back was. to start there. So uh, twitchy as hell um, with a great pair of legs. And I wrote, he is all quad and hammy. Um, but I mean, I just couldn't get over his quicks and explosion and his recovery speed all top notch. And of course, I underlined it. I said they play man, they play zone. Uh, I said I can't really figure out who he reminds me of. He has like a Vonte Davis. Darquez Denard type body, yeah. but he is 
better than they are. He's faster and twitchier than they That's are. That's funny. Zerline compared him to Dark Estimate. And I saw that. I saw okay, that. Okay. So, uh, But it, it is that similar type of body, except he's just better in all facets and every movement. Um, but it, I said, of course, can play mo- bump as good as it gets. Speed and strength are both off the charts. Uh, and... And he can stay on top of receivers because of his ability to turn his hips and accelerate. They can't ever get behind him. So then he just stacks them, and they have nowhere to go. If I had to write a negative about him, he could be a little choppy at times when he's trying to break down. Once you get him turning full speed, he can't just always put his foot in the ground. But uh, I just thought had tremendous strength when getting his hands on his receivers. I was amazed by his ability to close on receivers when he saw the ball in the air. Um, I wish he would play the ball a hair better. He does a little bit like what I'm going to tell you about Marshawn Lattimore. They're all over these guys, but they don't turn to play the ball like a receiver. They turn into the into the receiver and try to knock it out of his hands. Gotcha. Um, Did any of these eight guys really play the ball well? Uh, Lattimore was okay. I saw signs of it. He had a few awesome interceptions, like where you said, oh, wow, that was special. Yeah. But the best of playing the ball is you-know-who. Hooker? Adoree Jackson. Oh, my gosh. Adoree Jackson's a freak show. All right, so let's go to him. So Fabian Moreau you see as a really good corner, great body, good build, athlete, physical. I wrote, end of the day, kid is definitely one of the three best corners in the draft. He's definitely a top 15 pick and in you my watched eyes. him last. I watched him last. Okay, so let's go to Adoree Jackson. Let's yeah. stay in California. Uh, this is a guy that I think it's funny. Who was the guy we were talking about at uh, uh, Jabril Peppers? Yeah. I feel like they've kind of been put in the same category. Punt returning, defensive back, guys that do a little bit of everything. And Adoree has a little bit of mythology around him. Like, he's just like, everybody loves talking about him. Yeah. Yeah, So, on you actually were like, you know, but like, was he involved in him and like recruiting and any stuff like that? Adoree? Yeah. Well, the guys here know him. They've done a bunch of stuff with him, but nothing nothing crazy. Um, So... How does he compare to Jabril Pepper? Uh, well, he, he's, they're not in the same class. I mean, uh, you know, listen, this kid's a, a shutdown quarter. This kid's Janoris Jenkins or Jason Verrett or Pac-Man Jones, except he's more like a Pac-Man Jones because of his ability to return kicks and punts. Like, that's how the tape I started watching. The tape I started watching showed me all his kick returns and punt returns and his inter- interception returns. He's special. Like, even with the ball in his hand, he's way more special than Jabril Peppers with the ball in his so hand. So he is truly a guy that when he gets it, watch out, he could be going. One of the... one of the, one he of looks the, like ASAP Rocky. Yes, he does. One of the lines I wrote, I got to think, uh, I wrote like, oh, I wrote saves TDs and scores TDs. Mm. That's a good combo because he's also, he loves to show his speed. If you're on the other side of the field and he thinks you're going to break, he loves to be the guy to go hawk you down and go like, eh, bitch, you ate that fast. <laughs> uh, so I love that about him. But um, to me, when I just started, I just wrote right away. I said, just starting, uh, and I'm, I'm just starting, but his movement is that of an elite cornerback. Um, his hips, his change of direction, they're effortless. Um, hey, listen, he's definitely not as big as the other cornerbacks, but he does tackle. He's an impressive tackler. And his body control, ability to play the ball, best I've seen yet, and that stands true even to the guys I watched after him. And then I wrote, that's why he's a wide receiver as well. But just a total football player. Uh, I wrote about loves to hawk guys to, the, to this point, And I think maybe overall, I would stop, still probably give him this. To this point, he's the best pure cover guy I've seen. Just pure play-to-play, cover, man-to-man. He's the best guy I've seen. Uh, and it's close between him and Lattimore and the kid Moreau. But I think I would give this guy 
the edge. Acceleration, the ability to get to top speed, it's two steps. It's top notch. He can play bump, and he's got the best hand, best hips and best tra- best in transition out of anybody saying. People out there, when you go, what is transition? I mean, like you're his running ability, backwards, running backwards, the ability to stop and go forward, or you're running forward, and you're you think the guy's running a go route, and all of a sudden he breaks outside on you. Can you slow? How many steps is it going to take you to stop, burst, right. and get on the ball? Uh, but yeah, my end line was that I wrote he is Janoris Jenkins, he is Jason Verrett, except better ball skills and a returner. Wow. Um, all he, right, so the. Yeah. Okay, what were we going to say? I was just saying, and then I, I ended up saying he's the best pure NFL type of cover corner I have seen yet. Um, before we get to Lattimore, because you've mentioned him a few times, yeah. you have not mentioned Gary and Conley at all. I Are know. you sure he's in your top four? Yeah, he's probably four. Legitimately. Okay. Yes. Okay. Let me hear about Marshawn Lattimore. Okay. Then. Yep. All right. Lattimore, I mean, right, I'll just start it with this because I'm not going to, I don't want to get too deep. My I question about long. these Ohio State guys is. I know how you feel about Malik Hooker, right? And I'm curious what it's like to have an elite safety over the top of you. It doesn't matter because they they didn't get helped anyways. They just said, "You two fuckers play man to man on the outside, and we'll figure out everything else." So inside. my favorite thing about Sims' evaluations is that he looks at coaching uh, the decisions the, the coach decisions make. the coach makes and how that impacts the position they put the players. Yes, in. like I know people are gonna get go to Dory Jackson and go, "Well, he got beat on a double move against Notre Dame and." Like, no shit. Like, you're, if you're playing man-to-man 70 out of 90 snaps and they fake one with a great pump fake, like, you're going to bite on it every now and then. Yeah. So you can't – I'm not going to be like, oh, he's a round down because he bit on that. Like, happens to everybody. I could show you Deion Sanders, 1988. He bit on a double move. Do we want to take him out of the top three corners of right. all time because of it? I mean, it's just that people over evaluate. So, what kind of position did they put it? Did they put Marshawn Lattimore in at Ohio State? Yeah, Lattimore. Like th- that's the thing about the Ohio State guys. You don't have. There's no like questions to be asked. You see them play man to man most of the game. They get to play enough zone to where you go, okay, they can play zone. They right. get it. But you get to see the physical ability. Uh, all right, end of the day. I'm just going to get right to the point here. Lattimore has probably the highest ceiling. Lattimore, oh, really? Lattimore, to me, when I lo- really looked at it, I kept going, man, who does this guy remind me of? And it finally hit me when I was watching like halfway through the Oklahoma game. He's Darrell Rivas. Lattimore wow. is Darrell Rivas. Now, we'll see if he can be that type of player, but his body movement, his patience at the line, his hips, his ability to just one-hand jam and ride you out of bounds are all phenomenal especially for a guy with his size but yeah uh six foot 193 ran a four three six forty yes. with a 38 and a half inch vert he's explosive. crazy he's one of those guys and you don't know we said this but like the film when i would watch the sideline all 22 view like he would be running with guys and i'd be like man it's easy i mean he just doesn't it's not is he that twitchy like what is it like because it looked easy but then when they would get like the behind the view angle and every now you'd see them like running across the screen you go, holy shit, he is running, and he's not even got it in sixth gear. He's like really? coasting in fifth, and he's running by everybody. So um, then it kind of sounds like listening to you, you have Lattimore 1, Adore 2, Fabian Moreau 3, and then we'll get to Gary and Kyle. I think that would be fair. I think that would be probably, you're exactly right. And you know, when I'm hearing myself talk, I yeah, think you're just listen right. to your words. Right. Question we got on Twitter from Danny at Dan Sulis about Lattimore. Yeah. How much better was Ramsey coming out of Florida State compared Good. to Lattimore coming out this year? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, hmm. they are both freakish athletes. I honestly think this kid has got better cover skills than Jalen Ramsey. Uh, yeah, I know. That's, I don't know if he's a freakish quite athlete. Like, who would you take of the two? Uh, oof. Man. 
I would probably go with the Jalen Ramsey just because it's only been one year with Lattimore playing. And Ramsey, I always felt like there was that thing where I could just go, well, we could play him at safety because he did that at college. So too. you see then Lattimore as a top 10 pick? Definitely. I think Lattimore, I think all three, if, if Adoree Jackson, Lattimore, or Fabian Moreau went in the top 10, I'm not going to go, oh, that's stupid. If you needed a corner and a safety, <coughs> Tennessee, would you go with Lattimore or Hooker or Adams? Oof, that's a really good question. Well, tennis, Bears. Bears need both, too. I know. Bears. The Bears. So, like, if the Bears, are you going Lattimore or are you going Adams or Hooker? Oof. I think for the Bears, when I just think of Vic Fangio's defense, I think Adams would fit better. Gotcha. Um, but if you want one of those corners, I'm not mad either. I, I think that the thing that's really going to be weird with the corners is a Dory Jackson's return skills. And as, as I've told you, that's come up to me with, like, a coach, right? Who oh, I've really? Told you about. Yeah. Where... Yeah, it's valued, and the return skills might knock him up 10 more picks. Because it's that special? It's just that special, and it's just wow. that big part of the game right now to where people go, man, he, just, he can bring a few of their little elements to the game that other guys can't. Interesting. All right, uh, Gary and Conley. This was a, a name for me that uh, did not watch a lot of college football this year, to be very honest. Yeah. But he's come on late, and I'm seeing him all the time in mock drafts, and I'm, I'm curious. So he's got Lattimore on one side. He's got Hooker behind him, and you have him in the top four guys. He's definitely top four. He's Tell me why. Definitely a first-round pick. Uh, if you wanted me to give my – so I watched him second, right? And at the let end, me t- of the, let me get your baseline first. My here. baseline is AJ Bouye. Well, that's what I, when I wrote it down, Ooh. I wrote a name. I said, "Man, this kid's like AJ Bouye." I couldn't quite figure it out, but long, very good change of direction skills for a long guy. Because that's like long guys aren't always great at that. You know that. It's like yeah. with Jalen Ramsey last year. That was my one concern. Well, you're on a six six eight three cone. I know, and you turn on the film and you go, "Wow!" I mean, there's just no waste of steps. But high cut. Long-legged corner right away. He moves with ease. He's better than Marlon Humphrey. I wrote that right away. And not as much work in straight speed. Uh, listen, I didn't see anybody get open against Gary and Conley except for White Boy Supreme on Clemson on the unbelievable interception by Malik Hooker. Oh, yeah. That was the only time I saw anybody ever get open against Gary and Conley. Wow. Uh, and it was kind of a pick play. So it wasn't like they just legitimately beat him. But... Um, you know, uh, let's see. Can put his foot in the ground and close on wide receivers. Tackling is good. It's not great. He tackles, but he doesn't really want to, which could be a negative with some teams. But I wrote he plays faster than four four. And to this to this point to this point, I wrote I have not seen anything I don't like in coverage. He's got real good top end transition is real good, and he's good in zone coverage. You can put this kid on an island in the NFL. He can turn it on. Plays hard, plays hard and hustles, not a diva. Uh, perfect world. I wish he was maybe a hair twitchier, but because of the high cut and length, when he gets going, a few extra steps, breaking into transition, very good in the slot. Uh, end of the day, I wrote, what is not to like? Mm. Length, very good top end, tackles, plays ball very well, understands the game, first rounder for sure. All right. So... You, you see four first-round guys there. Yeah. Um, the other names that you've watched then, Chidobi Owozu. Who's interesting. From Colorado, Rasul Douglas, West Virginia, Tredavious White. Right. Of those three, who is the next guy? The next guy for me would be the kid from Colorado. Owozu. Yes. Tredavious White, if we just hit on him real quick, is truly just a nickel corner. I can't put Tredavious White outside on Odell Beckham Jr. or Des Bryant and think we're going to win that matchup if I'm a coach when I watch him on film. And when you watch him at LSU, he plays nickel almost the whole game. 
He's got great little quick feet, but he's a little tight when he turns to run, and his top end speed is not special. Josh has literally yawned, yawned right? in all of our fucking podcasts. Well, that's good. At least he it's did. Fine. Same time. I'm tired. It's five fifty. He is such a he is such a schedule guy. He that is. He all, I bet you he's yawned at the same time in every <laughs> single one. Well, it's funny because I see Tre'Davious White here in this one mock going fourteen. <laughs> Charlie Casterly. There's no way. Uh, Dan Jeremiah has him going uh, 18. I, I, we just take shots at Charlie Casterly. I don't know. I really think he's just on TV because they're like, we, we need a guy that can just do every single show from the morning show to the night show. Well, right. Charlie's got nothing to do. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, Dan Jeremiah, though, has Tredavious White going 18 to the Titans. Yeah, I just don't think that. I don't see that. I don't think you draft a nickel corner. At you don't see him as anything other than that? I just don't think he – I think you can play him outside, but you're not going to sit there and go like, hey, we're going to play a lot of man today, and I need you to just man up like Will Fuller or DeAndre Hopkins all game long. That's not going to happen. They're going to run by him. So that's what I worry about. The The kid from Colorado is the one that's impressive to Let's me. Let's talk about Iwozu. Because at least he's a physical freak. Pigeon-toed as Sorry, well. I'm calling him – it's it's Chidobe Awuzi. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to figure out how to officially pronounce it. Okay. Um, but he's pigeon-toed, just Ooh. like a Dory Jackson, by four, the way. 4 432 inch broad jump. Yep. You can tell the pigeon-toe from watching the game film? De- definitely, yes. Awuzia. 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 Um, he is uh, really explosive. And he's a lot like the kid from UCLA, Moreau, and... Uh, I don't know if this kid is all necessarily a natural corner. This kid might be more along the lines of like Buddha Baker, right? Mm. Where you could go, he could be our safety, our third safety. He could be the nickel guy that can really tackle. Because he's this just kid, a baller on the back end. He will come up and knock your head off. Really, uh, he's got incredible acceleration. Um, you know, I wrote does not look as tall as Humphrey or Conley, but then I looked up and I was like, damn, he's six foot. So he is, but he is. Uh, the kid is more powerful looking, more dense. More dense muscle instead of wiry, because um, this is the third guy I watch. Uh, I just was impressed with his twitchiness, physical tackler for a cornerback, and I wrote, kid can really accelerate, like full speed in two steps. What I've seen in top end to this point is impressive. He plays faster than his four four three. He is more explosive than Conley and Humphrey, I wrote. I like this kid's body a lot. He does have short arms, but everything else is perfect. Um, plays a good amount of nickel, quickness. Uh, and he is a force in the run game. He is a little grabby in coverage, would have been my one negative. An athlete reminds me of a Hargraves from Florida last year. That's who he reminds me of oh. as an athlete, except he's a little bit bigger. Um, doesn't get on an island as much. And then I wrote, he is almost like a Bob Sanders-type athlete. His speed and pursuit of ball carriers is awesome. Like, that's what the thing that I jumped at. When he was at nickel and they ran a reverse to the other side, or talk, like, I mean, his ability to turn it on and run sideline to sideline, yeah. I, I, that's the stuff I get off on. I love watching that. Let uh, me hear quickly Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas from is West Virginia. Just a long, like, praying mantis, Georgia Loca. Uh, what's our kid from Connecticut that killed it at the combi? Uh, oh, my, Byron yes. Jones? No. Oh, no. Obi. Oh, you're talking Obi, about this year. This year. Okay. Obi Melifon. He's that kind of guy, right? Like, Rasul Douglas is Brandon Browner, if you just want to. That's what he reminded me of. He's a little duck-footed. 
Uh, I think he's got to be in the Stay right system. Stay away from those duck-footed guys. <laughs> he's got to be in the right system. You can't expect like Rasul Douglas to play man-to-man. Yes. I wrote at the end of the day, I think uh, uh, Rasul Douglas should be a free safety. That's going to be his best position. Oh, he's turning into our Stanley Jean-Baptiste. He's that guy. That's what he is. Okay. Exactly right. That's how um, I look at it. So I'm looking right now at Mayock's corner rankings. He has Lattimore 1. He has Humphrey 2. He has Kevin King from Washington. I haven't watched him yet. So the two that I think, just looking at people's stuff that you still need to watch, Kevin King and Quincy Wilson. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen enough of Quincy. Quincy's Quincy's impressive, but I already know he's not as good as the other four I've already talked about. I know that. He has Gary and Conley four, and he has Fabian Moreau five. So yours would be Lattimore one, Adoree Jackson two, Moreau three. Conley um, four. Conley four, Awuzu five, Awuzu five from the guys you've seen. So yes. you still need to see Kevin King. Who yep. I'll see Kevin King. I'll watch Sidney Jones. Uh, I gotta watch. I mean, there, there's a lot. I mean, the the kid, other kid at Colorado, Akella Witherspoon. There is a lot of depth. It there's a like. lot of depth. There certainly is. Um. Uh. So the only other thing that I want to talk about was what I did last night. That we're gonna wrap up. Ooh, Great. Um. I went and saw Blade Runner for the first time, and they were playing it at a movie theater. Up the street from me. I have a movie theater. You don't know Blade Runner? Like Wesley Snipes? No, that's... Harrison Ford. Oh. And he, he's going around finding replicants, and it's like these robots that have gone... Rebe- You've never seen it. I have not. I've never seen it either. Okay, so I I've saw it for the first it, but... time, and the reason I was excited about it was I went and I looked at like the top 50 movies of all time, and I was like, let me see the movies I haven't seen. I saw Seven a few weeks ago. I saw Annie Hall. I'm trying to cross these ones off that I hear mentioned in pop culture discussions. So when I saw I could see Blade Runner in theaters, super excited, uh, relatively disappointed. Um, I think what really messed me up was the main love interest was the same actress that was... Um, Einhorn in Ace Ventura. Oh, Finkel and Einhorn, Einhorn and Finkel. So the entire time that Harrison Ford is like when being the- very rapey with this woman, I'm thinking he's he was actually that woman's actually the kicker he's for the hiding Dolphins. Mr. Winky. Yes. So it messed me up, but it made me think. I used to do that in the shower and in NFL and college all the time. Was not expecting. I used to, to do the there. tuck, the tuck, and then walk around the shower and go. Have you seen my wiener? <laughs> uh, you better not cut that I out. I won't cut it out. Right, I won't you. cut it out. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, this is the first time I wanted to cut something oh, out. Man. You're such a child. I don't know if I can publish this. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the question I was going to ask was, what movie that you've never seen do people go, I can't believe you've never seen it. Like, what's the one? Like, for me, for a long time, it was Boondock Saints. Oh, right. And, like, Seven would come up a lot. And that's why I'm trying to watch those. But what's the movie that... Too too many. I don't watch I haven't seen Citizen Kane. You need to see it. Yeah, I know. I, still, I know, right? There, there it is. There's the reaction. <laughs> you need to see it. You need to see like it. Like, Howard Beck, I was just talking to him. Right. Howard Beck has never seen Billy Madison, oh. uh, no, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, oh. Ace Ventura... Uh, he's never seen a lot of these. I've movies. seen all those. Yeah, so that yeah. puts me ahead of he's Howard. He's never Beck. seen Anchorman. Oh wow. my gosh! Yeah, right, man. But Citizen Kane. But like, what, what's amazing about Citizen Kane is a lot like what I found about with Blade Runner. Blade Runner, it didn't age that well because of like technology, but yeah. some of it's really good. Citizen Kane is still, it's still incredible. And then also when you watch it, realize that that was the first movie he ever directed. Right. Uh, Crazy. Uh, that, uh, is that Orson Welles? Orson Welles. Yes. yes. 
That's yeah. But all right, so you don't have any. So I guess I'm asking this: if you've listened this long in the podcast, what is the movie that you Tweet haven't us. seen that a lot of people give you shit about for not having seen? Can I give a shout out to O'Leary before we wrap this up? Yes, did he please. Talk to you? So Ryan O'Leary, producer of Bleacher Report, uh, did a piece on Nate Ebner for uh, the Olympics this last year. Guy on the Patriots now, rugby player. Right. Uh, his piece is up for best sports film. Webby, uh, which is presented by the International Academy of Pretty Digital dope. Arts and Sciences. I will tweet out a link to the voting page, but if everyone could go on and vote, that would be awesome for yo, the Nate Ebner piece. Yo, Leary. What's the website? Uh, it's vote.webbyawards.com and then a bunch of numbers and stuff. I'll tweet out the link. All right, dope. Um, I think we're reaching that time of the year, too. So next week we're going to be – we're with 22 days from when we're recording. When you guys are listening, it'll be 21 days. Um, either this week or next week – I want to mock the mocks. You want to mock the mocks. I want to look at the mocks. I want to figure out what are people overvaluing because a lot of people go, "Ooh, I don't know." Listen, I, this is what drives me crazy. Like, yeah, it, it drives me crazy. I just, I don't trust everybody out there. Like, yeah, I don't trust Mike Mayak right now. I'm sorry if he's listening, which I doubt he is, but I, I just don't trust him. I mean, he had Tease Tabor in his top five. Just three weeks ago at Corner. And your uh, thoughts on T's Tabor? Well, I mean, I just I saw enough just when I was watching Dalvin Cook at Florida State and some other crossover games to go like, what is like he was the number one corner for everybody coming out into this draft process. That's all I heard was T's Tabor. Yeah. And I go and he just he can't run. I think what I'm going to do, actually, and I'm going to do this over the next week, I'm going to look at the guys where there's a wild range of where people have them going. Like yeah. someone like a, we, we've talked about him on this, Derek Barnett. Right. You don't think he's that great. Some people have him as high as eight. Some that. people have him not even the first round. Yeah. I'm going to find those guys with a lot of variance because I don't think debating where Miles Garrett or Solomon Thomas should go. But I want to know the guys and you go, which guy is more accurate? Yeah, okay. So I'm I'm going to go through that. We'll have that next time. You hit us up with your movies. If you have any other weird questions, we really love the fighting question. They were good football questions. And they too. were good football questions. Yeah. So uh, thank you for being honest uh, with ever the situation with your father. Uh, oh, no fucking weird. Yep. Um, the awkward but, episode. Yeah. And I apparently uh, don't like Jim Nance. So... <laughs> Uh, Jim, if you see me, I apologize. I'll say hello, non-friend. Um, <laughs> shit. Uh, all right, for Patrick. Good night, everybody. For Sims. Peace out, homies. Uh, please subscribe, share, leave a comment. Uh, you guys are awesome. We love you very much, and we'll uh, talk to you in 109.